I mean, I wrote in my notes, poutine without cheese curds is offensive. <laughs> it is. It is. It's just fries with gravy, which is a whole other thing. But, like, Pops doesn't know how to use Sleuthster to figure <laughs> right. out what poutine is. You <laughs> know? Pals and gals, and welcome to another episode of XO XO Riverdale. I am your host, Louis Perlman, and uh, we've got wonderful, amazing co-host Kate um, Batter. Yes, original co-host Kate Batter. Yes, He's back at it again. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we're back again. And we're joined by a super special, special guest. Let's give a big, warm Riverdale Vixens welcome to Alicia Camden. Hello. Thank you. So Alicia is our longtime editor, which is awesome. So she makes the episode sound amazing. And also she's the host of her own podcast called Invitation to Love, which is a romance advice podcast that she hosts with her ex-boyfriend. You can find that on iTunes and Podbean. Alicia, welcome to XOXO Riverdale, finally. Thank you. Yes, yeah. long-time listener. <laughs> You're probably long-time. the only person in the Very world that's listened to every listener. episode. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. How long have you been doing your podcast for? Oh, man. Off and on for like five years, but we somehow only have like 30 episodes. So you're on your way to lapping us. It sort of started as like a long distance thing. When my boyfriend and I broke up, we wanted to stay friends, but we suddenly lived on like opposite coasts. Mm -hmm. So this was like five or six years ago when Skype and recording over Skype was very crappy. So Mm -hmm. now, though, we live in the same city and we do live shows at QED and uh, record a little bit more often. That's awesome. That's great. Um, All right. Let's get into it here. Anything going on social media wise this week, Kate, that was really important to you? Not a lot of social media. There is cast news. Great. The one social media thing I did see today is that Cody Kearsley, who plays Moose, seems to have a girlfriend. Uh, And it's not me. Oh, man. Sorry, ladies. He's taken. Or it was like his sister and he put a little heart. It it just felt like it was a girlfriend. And it was Uh, pretty heartbreaking. So basically, after we're done recording this podcast, the three of us are going to lie in bed for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to Joni Mitchell. Yeah, listen to a lot of Joni. Absolutely. We'll be ladies of the bedsheets. Ugh. Little Joni Mitchell deep cut joke for you guys that are the Joni Mitchell Riverdale crossover fan audience, which consists of me. Um, I probably like my mom. Oh, does your mom like Riverdale as well? My mom loves Riverdale. Oh, awesome. Oh my God, we have to have her on sometime. Yeah, my mom also likes Riverdale. So yeah. She's the only one in the family that has like real TV. So she texts me during the episode and I'm like, don't stop it. Don't do that. Like, yeah, because the, then in this episode, she texted me like as the episode was ending, like a mind blown emoji, and she was like, "OMG!" And I was like, "Stop!" Like, you know, I can't watch well, it for like another day. 
I came oh, from man. one of the production people's Twitters that it was the last 20 seconds were like insane. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Roberto tweeted that, um, which was interesting. He also said Bughead fans would be a big fan of this episode. Right, and as well. And it was fine. Yeah, I agree with that. But I was also like, well, spoiler, because it's like very clear that they're going to get back together if that's what you're tweeting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe we should do a, a break episode where just our moms host the podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> my mom, too, like she's seen a couple episodes in that she's doing something while I'm watching. But she like doesn't really like it that much. But I think she would be a great foil. Uh, yeah, your mom and my husband can do an episode because he like walks by and he's like, "What are they doing?" Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and I like try to explain. It. I'm like, "Don't bother." Like this show's written by space aliens. I can't explain it to you. Yeah. I did make a big deal about her seeing the portrait of Veronica in Hiram's office, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting over here giggling. Do you want the other news? Yeah, of course. Please. Okay, so KJ was cast in a movie called The Last Summer, which is a rom com. I hope they let him keep his real hair color. That would be such a stretch. Yeah, there. it takes place the summer before college in Chicago. Cool. So he's so still maybe, probably going to have to have his dumb American accent. But maybe he'll fine. do a Chicago accent. That would be great. Uh, I'd like to see it. You know, I'd like to see him do that. I, I really, I talked about this a few episodes ago, but I really want to see other stuff from these guys. I think they're yeah. really great actors and I hope they can reach beyond Riverdale once it's done. Um, all of them. All of them, I think, have a wonderful star power to yeah. them. And Cole booked a movie, too. Is he five in the Zack and Cody apart. movie? Very funny, if so. Uh, five Feet Apart, it's a romantic drama, and it's two people who are falling in love, but they're both on borrowed time. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe they both and have he's, illnesses. He's the lead in that. I don't know if KJ is the lead in the last summer, but mm. he's the lead in Five Feet Apart. Interesting. Well, best of luck to these young talented men yes shall we get into the episode i think we can here we go episode is titled wicked and the divine wicked and the divine is a wonderful comic book series that's now been running for i think about three years it's written by kieran gillam and jamie mckelvey and i really appreciate this episode being titled wicked and the divine because the, the the comic has a very strong fan following and in itself is really unique and quite innovative. That being said, this episode thematically doesn't tie in particularly as closely as other episode titles do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but this uh, the, the main plot of Wicked and Divine is it's about a group of gods who are gods from different mythologies who reincarnate every hundred years into new host bodies. And then within the society, basically the host bodies become celebrities. So uh, they become very famous and people want to be around these gods. So it's very much a study in the nature of fame, the nature of what it is to be mortal and and why do we idolize and why why do we have adoration and it also uses a lot of like really cool sort of rock and roll music tropes and um it's very stylish the art style is is really clean and and uh modern and smart so that's that in a nutshell that's the wicked and the divine and i recommend you check it out i've been enjoying it on and off for the last few years uh but does that have anything to do with this episode no (laughs) 
<laughs> what this episode is, is a Goodfellas Reservoir Dogs Boogie Nights pastiche, which is super cool. And uh, something I appreciate about the episode was the soundtrack for sure. And the light Scorsese-esque touches that are sprinkled throughout the episode. Uh, but definitely that's, that's, that's where this episode draws most of its inspiration from, not, not that comic series. Yeah, it opens with the remark from Jughead that it's the classic tropes of mob movies. And indeed it was. Let's talk about each character's arcs. Let's start speaking of mob movies with um, Archie Andrews. So the first thing I want to say just about Archie in general is all of a sudden this guy wants to be a mobster. Like, can we talk about this? It seems like he doesn't want to be a mobster as much as he wants to be closer to Hiram and Hiram's a mobster. Mm Mm-hmm. Does he even want to get close? It's like, I couldn't tell if he wanted to get close to him for the FBI or... Oh, it's for Veronica. For Veronica or if he was using the FBI as an excuse to get... It seems like he's like, I'm just going to see how far this goes and which one I like best. Like... Yeah, it's almost like he's playing Veronica and Hiram versus Agent Adams the same way that in the comics he used to play Betty versus Veronica. Mm. Yeah, and he'll just like wait and eventually figure out which one he likes best. Yeah, he's he's very he's very indecisive and it makes his motivation a little difficult to decipher in this episode, I feel. Yeah. So it starts with him just like taking just running errands for Hiram. Yeah. Which is so, I guess that is how people like start in the mob. I wouldn't know. Yeah, that's a real trope of a mob movie is run this package across the street. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's a lot of that stuff. But then he finds out as he's running packages, that's how he finds out the lodges bought pops. That's right. Yeah. And the agent shows up to his house and wants him to spy on the lodge family at Veronica's confirmation. Which is very Godfather, with the confirmation being the teenage equivalent of a wedding. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Archie insists that he's gonna, he's going to be there for Veronica, and so the agent's like, he had to be there both. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to get more into Veronica a little later on, but this is another typical example of this show. Just to mention, because you mentioned the confirmation, this show revolving around like a very, very ham-fisted conceit of like a party. Yeah. I mean, confirmations are like that. But it seems to me like, because she was kind of too old for a confirmation. Yeah. I don't understand why it wasn't like a Sweet 16 or a Quinceanera. Yeah, totally. A Quinceanera would have been cool, like, because that's clearly the culture that they vaguely allude to in a crappy way each episode. Yeah. As Glow said last week, by having the family spout vocabulary words in Spanish every once in a while. Yeah. Like she did doing... say, like, a sentence in Spanish this time, though. Y- yes, very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I could say a sp- sentence in Spanish, too. And <laughs> as much as I really, really have a great affinity for Latin American culture, uh, I am very Jewish. <laughs> and not <laughs> well, from that part of the world. It's similar for a Latino man named Hiram. <laughs> totally. And a Latinx woman named Hermione. Yeah. I kind of wish, just because we're talking about the quinceanera, I kind of wish that the quinceanera had also been a memorial for Jason Blossom, just because there haven't oh been enough God. of them yet. <laughs> That'd be so funny, especially because Veronica doesn't fucking know him. 
<laughs> exactly. I'd be like, P.S. Anyway. So, yeah. So, Archie goes through this episode really playing all these different allegiances. But sort of by the end of the episode, it feels like he has really decided to go with Hiram. Um, yeah. And, and become part of the family. And, and certainly one could argue it's because of his love of Veronica, for sure, that he does that. Yeah. But, you know, he really reneges on Agent Adams. But why would you want to align yourself with Agent Adams, the most boring character that's ever existed in the history of anything? So Yeah, well, he, like, he's doing stuff to win Hiram over. And then when Hiram asks him about the fight with Nick, he, like, immediately wins him over and gets to go to this poker game. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, so he won, and then he still just, like, keeps trying, even though he's done it. Mm-hmm. Then for the poker game, Agent Adams wants him to wear a wire, but Archie's still afraid about Veronica and Fred being implicated, so he mm-hmm. says no to it. But at the poker game, this is so Archie to me, he keeps giving his last name. Mm-hmm. Like, his whole fucking name. Like, Archie, what's your name? Archie Andrews. <laughs> like, I would not introduce myself to that unless it's, like, a job interview. Like, <laughs> or I'm trying to, like, make connections, but it doesn't matter what his last name is. Yes, but but what you must remember is that uh, he must say his last name so that then Papa Poutine can insult Hiram about the affair, their, yeah. like, very mild affair. Right. <laughs> You know, like. and then an where Archie really should have been wearing a wire is when he's plunging a toilet. Yeah, <laughs> which seems like isn't Pop there? Like, but then again, I don't know what Archie's well, role is. I think Pop has to be in the kitchen making the food, yeah, so Archie's assisting yeah. Pop. Like that—that that seemed realistic to me. What didn't seem realistic to me is that Pop would go through everything he went through to make that poutine. Yeah. And then not know what poutine was. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. I couldn't oh, okay. believe Papa Poutine was right. Yeah, let's just talk about it now. Let's okay. just talk about it now, because, like, we're talking about that scene anyway, right? Yeah, like, I hate when people make poutine with just cheese instead of cheese curds. It's supposed to be cheese curds. It's supposed to squeak when you bite them. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, totally. But the thing about it that's so funny is Pop, you know, really, they say nothing but lovely things about his little diner on the show. It's not like there's ever been any other point in the show where they've been like, oh, you know, it's Pop's, it's okay, but it's our only option. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Also, like, like, always Papa, like, Papa Poutine has been going to this poker game for years. Yeah, 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 but this is the first time that it's been at Pop's. Yeah, it would have been in New York, right? Yeah, it would have been also, in New York or so in Chicago owns- or wherever, yeah. He owns a chain of hot dog restaurants. Was that right? Or Papa like poutine? Or just poutine? No, I think he owns places. a chain of poutine places. Well, why yeah. does he need poutine wherever he goes? Because he's <laughs> from Canada. They made <laughs> that very clear. Like I, I, I think actually, really, it's so funny. You know, Papa Poutine is not from Archie Comics. No. And he is one of the most Archie Comics-esque characters that they've created for the show so far. He reminds <laughs> me of the episode, a lot of stuff reminds me of this, the episode of Spongebob when Plankton's trying to get the secret recipe for Krabby Patties. Uh-huh. And he's just like, ravioli, ravioli, give me the formulae. And I 
think of that, like, when I hear a name like Papa Poutine being in the mob. Yeah. And, like, also, <laughs> all these people are supposed to be related to Hiram. No, 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 no. They're, they're in the family. They're uh, mob relations. Right. All the they're wives, not related related. All the wives are Latina, though. Yeah, so yeah. It's supposed are. to be they like are a, in the family. No, it's supposed to be a... It, I think it's a combo of it being a Latina, a Latinx crime family and some of the relatives also having married mob people. Um, okay. I, that's, that's how I interpreted that. I didn't imagine that it was just all the lodges, that yeah. all of these people were, the, were lodges, yeah. But this um, Putin thing, I, I mean, I wrote in my notes, Putin without cheese curds is offensive. <laughs> it is, it is. It's just fries with gravy, which is a whole other thing. Yes, um, disco fries. No, no, disco fries. This is so worth talking about on this show. Disco <laughs> fries are like this uh, area's version of poutine. You know, it's a lot in New Jersey and in, in some diners here as well, where it's fries, gravy, and then just cheese. And that's what I think Pops had prepared. But like, Pops doesn't know how to use Sleuthster to figure right. out what poutine is. You <laughs> that's know, a good point. Yeah, like that's the thing is like Pops totally has a handle on a cheese curds hookup for yeah. sure. Yeah. But so, then again, I mean, a lot of people think they know what poutine is, but then just put on regular cheese. So maybe that's what happened to Pop. Do they? Do they do this? I know people who like, so this is so dumb. When I was in Canada over the summer, the coach was like, everyone has to eat poutine after. Oh, yeah, we talked race. about like, this. All yeah. Nice poutine. And it came out and like, it just had regular cheese, and I was the only one outraged. <laughs> Everyone else was like, what are you talking about? This is poutine. Yeah. So. I'd be outraged as well, because, you know, poutine used to be something you would only eat in Quebec, and now it's Canada-wide, and there's really great poutine places anywhere I go in Canada yeah. now, so. Thanks yeah. to Papa Poutine and his poutine empire. That's right. That's right. This is based on real life. Papa Poutine <laughs> is a real man. <laughs> a man whose <laughs> compulsion to eat poutine wherever he goes is so sick that he... It's oh, led to a life of crime. Right. It makes yeah. me think of, like, Papa John, who, like, if everywhere he went had to have pizza, but it had to be that, like, kind of shitty, unfrozen yep. pizza. Soft pizza. Yeah. yeah. He needs soft pizza everywhere, and he needs and, like, that garlic sauce everywhere that's just, and, like, like, butter. He comes to New York, and he's like, let's go get pizza, and someone brings him to get, like, a good New York slice of pizza, and he, yeah. like, hates it. And you're like, I mean... <laughs> I guess I understand where he's coming from. I heartily disagree, but I mean, I have, I have, I have a lot of friends who live in New York who moved here from other places, you know, who tell me they hate New York pizza because it's not the same as, it is bonkers because it's not the same as Michigan pizza or Chicago pizza. (laughs) It's like, stop it. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. So they say the meanest things about, I can't remember what they were now, but they say the meanest things about Quebec in this scene. Which isn't that no, where it's they filmed? Do? No, it's filmed in no, Vancouver. No, it's filmed in Vancouver, oh, okay. British Columbia. They yep. were like, they, they were like, what a trash hole! I don't remember. They said some very mean things about. Yeah, that feels right, though. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like an outsider. Um, I want to see some starts plunging the toilet, and then like it's not clear whether he finishes or not, which is like kind of what oh. I would expect from a teenage boy. 
Totally. He probably didn't finish because Archie doesn't finish anything that he starts no. on the show. Remember when he was going to start a band two episodes ago? Oh my yeah. God. Don't get me started. I can't I wait, Alicia. He's yeah. So like committed to getting a scholarship for sports, but like it would have to be for football. Like if he's switching between basketball and wrestling, like he's not going to get a scholarship out of that. Indeed. But he keeps switching so that we get to see the, all the boys in different outfits. Yep. That's true. So, anything else about Archie before we move on? I mean, there's still some more Archie plot. Let's see. Uh, he gets to meet the Abuelita, who's pinching his cheeks so hard it hurts. Yeah, it was so cute. Totally. so funny and it so cute. It was very cute. cute. And he's like, and then the rest of the episode, he's just like real suspicious. Veronica calls him a beacon in the night, which I oh, think yeah. is well, he's also light and dark. I think this is important to touch on. Apparently, he's the reason why Veronica does not choose uh, a life aligned with Satan yes, uh, during her very, confirmation. And which, initially, you mentioned Sabrina. Veronica is a witch, so yeah, yeah, totally. But it's so it's so funny because, like, in my opinion, first of all. Deciding to give yourself over for sat- to Satan, yeah, you know, we've all been there, and that's a perfectly acceptable life choice, and, and you know, and I, I certainly, this is not me casting judgment, but I don't think your confirmation in front of everybody is the time to decide. Yeah. Uh, and second of all, if Archie's going to be the thing that's really going to keep you on the straight and narrow, good fucking luck, because... He he ain't really no angel, that guy, you know? Yeah. And that's not, you know, once again, any judgment, casting any judgment against Mr. Andrews. It's just, you know, something I like about the show is that none of the characters are 100% altruistic in nature, you know? Right. They're, they're nuanced, yeah. Well, and Veronica tries to tell him about her family, and he, like, sort of knows what he says. He doesn't, can't, and doesn't want to know because he loves her too much. Well, I think he still has some vague sense of responsibility to the FBI. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if he knows, the more he knows, you know, the more he's obligated to share. But also he seems to like come to this moment where he's not going to let Hiram die. Right. But like. But also when Papa Putin dies, he denies knowing anything about it. I think he doesn't care for the FBI, even though like they've been dealing with like the Black Hood. So maybe he should care. I think that he doesn't tell the FBI about his knowledge of anything regarding Papa Poutine because he has made a decision to not implicate Hiram in anything that's going on. Right. You don't think it's because he thinks it's his fault, like he got Papa Poutine killed and he's suddenly scared that... I got the impression that he he was like, all right, well, I can't just let Hiram die, so I have to say something. And now he's... Papa Poutine is dead and it's my fault, like... I killed him. Yes. And so he's suddenly scared to be like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, that's a good analysis. Uh, But it also really aligns him with the lodges more than it does the FBI. You know what I mean? I just get a sense by the end of the episode whether he had really picked an allegiance or if he was still just like playing out both sides to see which one was going to cause the... It doesn't even seem like he's being manipulative because he's like smart. (laughs) Um, Oh, I very much agree. It seems like he's being manipulative so he can get into the least trouble. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. This is classic Riverdale Archie. Ooh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> which is fine. This is why we love the show. Hiram, cool. Veronica, and Agent Andrews all fucked up. They all bet on the wrong horse. <laughs> yeah, they really yeah. all bet on the I do agree with that. <laughs> so Veronica, let's talk about her a little bit more okay. in this episode. Uh, we <laughs> So she opens with this slow motion version of Veronica, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Anytime mm-hmm. they slow her down, it's like I don't understand why, but like I also get it. Well, she's yeah, she's just has such a good Camilla has such a good uh, screen presence. I I really I expect big things from her moving forward as an actress. And then her dress is like this like wedding dress, you know. It's yeah, like, I mean, people wear white to their confirmation. That's normal. Sure, 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 sure. But it just feels. I mean, unsurprisingly for the show, but it feels quite adult. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think it's because she is older than most people who get their confirmation. Yeah, totally. And then she has to pull a lot of strings in order to make sure everybody's attending this confirmation. Right. She reserved a pew. Yeah, for her friends. friends. And then she, like, has to juggle some shit around to make sure Josie is duetting with her. Oh, the Josie thing is so funny. She, like, doesn't ask for it. Josie just volunteers it. Yeah, and then Veronica's like, well, I guess we're going to be duetting then. Right, to Bittersweet Symphony from the Cruel Intention soundtrack as opposed to from the verb. <laughs> yes, yes. So this is this is probably the best line in this episode, right? This is the I weirdest reference of the show ever. This is like top five most bananas reference made by a teenager. By a modern teenager, yeah. Yeah, yeah by she, she a 16-year-old the- of today. That she'd be into Cruel Intentions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean Cruel Intentions is really good, but it just does kind of surprise me. Did that movie have, like, a notorious soundtrack? Was it, like, did people buy that? I remember the movie, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, older kids sing this movie's cool, and I'll watch it. But I don't, it didn't have, like, it wasn't, like, Empire Records or, like, a Wes Anderson movie or something where the soundtrack was famous was it i totally agree it's certainly nothing that i remember being the case i was already a little old for the film when it came out but that's fine i I saw it in theaters because i'm very old uh but you know at this point in the show it really has established that they are in a timeless world a timeless universe where all references work all the time, or at least that's the way it's written. So mm-hmm. drag races can coexist with a, a drop of the cool and cruel intention soundtrack. You know what I mean? And the, and a Tony Morrison reference and a Tim Burton film festival reference, right? Don't they go to a, or no, Wes Craven, sorry, Wes Craven film festival, you know, like it all, it all coexists in this, hodgepodge world of Riverdale, which is ultimately an interesting interpretation of an aesthetic from the comic books because very often in those comics over the years, and I think this has been fairly unintentional, the writers have been like eight years behind the trends when they're writing. So, you know, yeah. it'll be like 1998, you know, and I remember this like 19 or not like 95, you know, like really when I was like 13, 14 and was just coming out of reading these comics, I was really stopping to read them. And there'd be stories printed in the digest where there would be like, wow, have you seen this new technology compact discs? And it would be like, what, yeah. what's happening in this comic book? <laughs> like, when was this written? And this is really carries on that tradition in a very 
I think a very intentional way, a very cruelly intentional way, quite frankly. Um, that's how I felt about that uh-huh. joke. Well, thank you, folks. This is my last podcast. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, okay, yeah. I, so I'm sorry, Rogue. I had to look it up. the The Cruel Intentions soundtrack peaked at number sixteen on the Billboard 200. Yeah. So no. number sixteen. And I look. I looked at it's on Spotify. It looks solid. I'll listen to it later yeah. today, probably. I'm sure it's a perfectly solid, like, early 2000s soundtrack. Also, it's yeah. a very good sort of Betty, Veronica, Archie dynamic in a very adult way. So it's, like, a good reference, but not for a teenager to make. Right, not and not specifically for the song Bittersweet Symphony. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was, it was a little shoehorned in. Interesting. Yeah. And then let's just talk about this while we're talking about it. That whole sequence where she's singing it, with Josie oh is completely bizarre. It's auto-tuned in church. Yes. Which is so funny. And I wrote, this is very funny. It was so silly. It was very, 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 very silly. I really wish once again, that they had remixed in Archie's remix of his video from earlier in the season. Oh, the, his red circle the video. Yeah. Oh, man. Also, we found out right next to us that Veronica's middle name is Cecilia. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's cool. I don't yeah. know if that's canon, yeah. uh, but it is now. But that's a beautiful middle name for Veronica. But I do want to backtrack to this scene in the soup kitchen. Um, Where they have uniforms? Yeah, they were in uniforms in the soup kitchen. And Veronica's doing it for her confirmation. Yeah. But she brings Archie and she just, like, stops working at one point. Oh, yeah. She, she fucks She's right off of that soup so kitchen. so little. She's putting forth so so little effort, made someone else come do it with her, and then it's like, just like walks away while someone's standing there with a bowl. Yeah. And she's like, I'll be right back. It's so like, rich person. My favorite moments are when Veronica is like extremely oblivious to normal life. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, it, It only makes the character more endearing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And then Veronica tries to keep Archie out of the business because he'll learn too much. But Hiram is like, you know, it's now he comes in or he's always on the outside, which is putting so much weight on a high school relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's like everything Hiram didn't want to do and now he's doing. Veronica in confession is oh, very yeah. funny because, like, I don't... I mean, I'm not Catholic, so I don't get it, but... She, like, it's so dramatically, like, doing something terrible to a boy she loves. And the priest gives no advice whatsoever, except for ten Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. Mm-hmm. Which I wrote doesn't help much. I got the impression that he was, like, in on it. Cause Me as well. Because, like, Monsignor, yeah. you know my family. And he, I think, is really cold to her, like, don't ask too much. Yeah, maybe. I very much agree with that. Like, I I interpreted it to be that she can't really confide in anybody because the the tendrils of this family have just enwrapped all these different aspects to her life, you know? Yeah, I thought that scene was really creepy, and it made me really sad for her. Like, he was Mm -hmm. saying, get on board, or we're just going to shut you out. Those Mm -hmm. are your two options. Yeah, and that... Yeah, and that really Archie's all she has who's outside of all of this. Right. So how sad that soon that won't be the case anymore, you know? Um, 
And in when she is finally set to renounce Satan, she kind of takes a long pause. And yeah. then when she does do it, the background light shifts from dark to light. That's right. The wicked and the but, divine. Yeah. Oh, fun. Very stylish. Any, any final notes about Ronnie uh, uh, in this episode? Uh, but I mean, yeah, we covered it. Well, her gift in the end. Oh, yeah. Her the head in the box. Is the head, which is very yeah. horsehead. Godfather it's horsehead. very horsehead. Yeah, and like, do I guess we'll get to this, but do Jughead and Betty take it there? That's a good mm. question. Or a key. Probably. That's certainly that's certainly one of the big questions we're left with. Someone in this episode. does it to like make a big scene. Yeah, probably yeah, to FP. make a stink with the lodges. Yeah, probably FP. Since speaking of FP, let's talk about mainly Jughead in this whole yeah. episode. So, but let's start with FP. FP really seems to be the voice of reason here with Jughead, and yeah. like this is sort of my hot take as a big fan of Jughead. I actually think this character has really gone off the rails in the way he's being written. And I don't think he's as compelling as he was in the first season. I'm like, not into this. Do we agree with this? Yeah. Like, I feel like he's gone from being sort of the outcast loner character, which is a more traditional take on Jughead with a lot of nuance, which I really appreciated to being really just kind of, kind of nuts, you know, like off the handle nuts irrationally into the serpents, you know, like I understand why he's so into the serpents now, quite frankly, it doesn't seem like the serpents have afforded him anything good at all this entire season. It's almost like as soon as he found a place where he felt like he belonged, he turned into almost like a Veronica like character where he, He's childish, and he wants to be in charge, and he wants everything to go his way, and he wants to be at the center of everything. Like, he's way overcompensating for being the outsider loner, and he's forcing himself on this community that is, like, not sure that they want a teenage boy in charge all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, I very much agree with that. Absolutely. And Yeah, I like it better as a moody outsider, not a whiny insider. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't want his character highlight for the series to be his birthday party hissy. Yeah. But it's looking like his highlight for the series might be his birthday party hissy, you know? Right. And, like, he's the one going up Keller, going up against Keller, and it's like, there's so many adults there. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, he also is, he's definitely butting heads with Mayor McCoy right now in a way that I really do, do enjoy very much. And I want to see more of that, you know? Yeah. Uh, But someone's pulling her strings and she says that Jughead should back down. Mm -hmm. If Jughead ends up taking down like a crime family that if it's done cleverly would be a really interesting move for both the sort of use of Jughead and the use of the serpents in the show, you know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And then someone's taking legal action against the blue and gold, which is so funny. Yeah. Because it's a high school newspaper. Yes, but it's very important to the town of Riverdale, apparently. Is it Hiram? Some, no, I don't think it's Hiram. Okay. I think it was like the descendant of General Puckett or whatever his name is. Oh my God, I want to meet the descendant. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so Betty and Jughead end up being suspended from the paper because of it. And in their conversation... Jughead admits to kissing Tony. He 
he admits to doing it all and not everything, which is two different things. I think he says that they messed around, but they didn't do everything. He um, said we did it all and then said not everything. Well, you know, teenagers, they don't know what sex is. Yeah, I mean, I don't Especially know. Especially these teenagers, they're written to be it. so they're written to be so not smart when it comes to sex, which is right. a, a lie. I'm totally lying. They totally all know what sex is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've seen it. <laughs> these, these are like 30-year-old teenagers on this show. So, right. you know. And then the Joneses are evicted. The whole trailer park is. Yes. Yeah. You know what they should do? They should pool their resources and hold a bake sale. <laughs> yes. A serpent bake sale. A serpent start bake a sale. GoFundMe. Yeah. Yeah. Start a GoFundMe for the serpents. Yeah. So FP is like, I'm not going to leave. And Tallboy brings up right then how much he hates Jughead, which is like, fucking shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about Tallboy. Is no Tallboy an effective Tallboy. villain in this episode? Yeah, well, he brings Kenny Peabody back. Yes. And, like, rats on Jughead and that he wants Penny in and Jughead out. And he suggests carving Jughead's tattoo off with a dirty knife. Mm-hmm. That's a great is, way to get a whole bunch of diseases. Yeah. yeah it's tetanus and just, like, a horrible infection. Yeah. And, like, how did so like she shows her arm where Jughead apparently with like a surgeon's skill has barely removed like the outer layer of skin on like the most sensitive part of your body, which would not get rid of the tattoo. Yeah, how is she not dead? Like, what did he do to? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. No, no uh, not well. As what happens in the show occasionally, not well researched yeah. in terms of like how that would work. Um, you know, very fun sort of figuratively, literally doesn't work. It's not logical. Yeah. We see her arm and it almost looks like she has like a Freddy Krueger burn. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, it looks like a burn. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to him slicing a piece of her skin off. And no, we are right about this. We are <laughs> yeah. totally correct. As per usual... <laughs> we're right here on XOXO Riverdale. It's true. I'm a medical expert, and I say mm-hmm. that ain't what it looks like. <laughs> um, so Jughead goes to Betty because she's the only one he can talk to about things, which is a step in the right direction for Bughead. And yes, Betty it decides is. to treat, treat the statue like a missing person, which they clearly know how to do. And then a very save the chillers, save the world, it's find the head, save the trailer park. Which is awesome, which is super fun. Yeah. Once again, a reference to a show that teenagers would not have any idea what's going on. This is not the first time they've referenced Save the Cheerleader, Save the World. No, it's not. They love Heroes references, which is so weird. A very specific Heroes reference. Well, really the only Heroes reference anybody would have an understanding, you know, like who wasn't like a... You know, who wasn't a fan of the show. And if you watch that show after its first season, I I am sorry <laughs> for you. I mean. FP blames Jughead for everything and says that Jughead will be the death of the serpents. Which is like, what a positive way to speak to your child. Well, FP has had a lot of moments of just being awful in terms yeah. of to Jughead. This is not the first. That would be a fun segment. I, I mean, I should start taking notes about all this stuff. Because I often say that would be a fun segment. But like. It'd be great to boil down like the top ten <laughs> times FP was just spoke to Jughead one hundred percent inappropriately. Yeah, yeah. Like, of course, Jughead is down on himself. Like, that's what he has. Like, yeah, said to him. 
Yeah, it's tough. But that's something I give the show kudos for is the complexity of that relationship and that it's not black and white. It's not like FP is the villain, but he's also not, um, he's not a good parent either. You know, like a lot of the parents on the show, he's trying, he's trying his best, but like that it's being written the most intelligently in my opinion, you know? Mm -hmm. So Jughead, well, first of all, Jughead's avoiding a buffet, which Benny calls him on. Mm -hmm. Because we don't, we don't see him eat enough in this episode. No, and it's just because he's so nervous because they're meeting to vote him out and everything's been bad since they broke up. Mm-hmm. You think? Uh, but he and Betty added again, go to the scrapyard and find that the head was in the fridge and the guy had a serpent jacket and Jughead asked by any chance, was this gentleman tall? And the scrapyard guy's like, sure was, but it's like, there's a lot of tall people out there. Like, tall boy doesn't <laughs> strike me as like, Andre the Giant tall when compared to the rest of the serpents. And he also has like five other more distinguishing features. Yeah. Oh, did he have Yeah. Knowledge? Does he have long yeah. hair? Yeah. <laughs> or like long earrings? Yeah. There's so many better ways to describe tall boy other than a tall boy. <laughs> yeah. Like, does he look like a 1990s Sunset Strip metal band reject? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, Betty and Jughead and FP confront him about the head. And he's he confesses just immediately. Yeah, I mean, he's not Betty is there. But he did it because he thought it would get rid of Jughead, and then that would get rid of FP, and then he would rule with Penny Peabody, which is like, you already tried the ghoulies and it didn't work out. Like, give up, dude. And he thinks that Jughead betrayed his own kind, so then they take his jacket and exile him mm-hmm. which I out of there won't last well didn't he say probation i'm on probation jughead is on probation tall oh, boy oh, they yeah oh yeah that's not gonna last yeah or jughead maybe started. maybe tall boy will start his own uh gang and that'll be Bible like a gang. cool gang war thing ghoulies too ghoulies too <laughs> ghoulies too electric boogaloo boogaloo yeah <laughs> So Jughead is eventually sorry for shielding Betty and finally admits that Betty can handle it. And then Betty wants it all with Jughead. Yeah, and who doesn't? What a hot little guy. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, when he's like, stay. Or what is he um, like, like, don't leave. His hand on her knee. Ugh. Isn't this all that we want is the bad boy to love us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to need us. Yeah, but there's it's certainly inherently problematic in a lot of ways, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. And then in terms of Betty, just because I feel like we covered her pretty well already through the Jughead plotline. For the most part, but we do have to talk about her being a cam girl. Very much agreed. Yeah, let's get to it. Like, let's talk about it. Oh my god. Cam girl answered Betty, and it sounds like she's speaking with Ghostface. (laughs) Like it's the voice of Ghostface from Scream, which was FP with Pete Ulrich. Oh my god, mind blown. Oh, Ghostfaceception. <laughs> yeah. Now, I just want to, I already said this last week, but I, I want, because you guys weren't hosting with me last week, I just want to reiterate, but I want your take on this. Of all the dark things that Betty could be doing, really expressing herself sexually on a webcam with some people, to me, seems quite vanilla. <laughs> it does, but also she is very much underage. True. I, you know, and it's sometimes like, 
I forget that because the show treats them so in such an adult, adult fashion. Yeah. But and I talked about that a little bit last episode too about the objectification of like the teenage body in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but you're right. So she's a teenager. So this does seem somewhat torrid. But you know, really, like you know, she's not like going out and like she's she's she didn't become like a a sex worker, right? You know Even what I mean. Penelope did. Yes, certainly, yeah. certainly. And we talk about that last episode about the nature of sex work and its relationship to the show. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, please, if you didn't um, listen to the last episode, please listen to it if you want to talk more about, hear us talk more about that. And yeah. we were talking about back when we talked about Jughead and Betty being suspended from the blue and gold when Jughead admits everything that happened with Tony. She says she hasn't been with anyone, but she has been with Archie. Yeah. Well, she kissed him. Right, which in teenage terms is, I would say, hooking up. Yeah, he was like, have you done anything? And I think right. kissing someone and also being a cam girl are things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's probably going to come back as a plot point yeah, that we will not care about on this podcast yeah. when Jughead has to reconcile that she kissed Archie once. Mm-hmm. But the whole cam girl thing... I'm hoping we'll spiral into being something. I hope something that Jughead thinks is sexy. Yeah. I just hate that. And so like, it doesn't make any sense. So they have to constantly like rationalize it in like a lazy way where I don't know how many times Betty has been like, I have dark feelings. I do something weird to cope with them. And then she meets Chick and he's like, yeah, me too. And that's why I do this. So I feel like she's always saying like, oh, I'm going to do this because I have some kind of darkness I'm trying to suppress, which is like A to B doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it's a perfectly normal thing that lots of people do for lots of different reasons. But like to be, it's just gross to be like, I have a dark side that I'm suppressing and I'm going to get it out through being a cam girl. I agree with this. Um, I don't and at like the, end of the last episode. She, he's she's like, will you show me? And like, it's gonna fix her. First of all, there's like, there's nothing wrong with her other than her insisting that something is wrong with her all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, that I, this is not a solution. I I would go beyond saying that there's nothing wrong with her other than the fact that she insists, and go on to say that it's not that she is insisting, the show is insisting that there's something wrong with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for a show that is trying, it seems to be trying its best to be quote unquote woke. I would really love if they took a hard look at the way they're dealing with whatever sort of implied, you know, mental illnesses she's contending with and dealt with him in a proper way. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. The only thing wrong with her is that she gets mad sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. God forbid. The normalest thing for anyone to do yeah, yeah she's not violent and she's not consciously self-harming yeah exactly like do you know who else got mad on the show and the judgment is completely valid is cliff blossom and he shot his son like <laughs> yeah. that's that's correct do you know what i mean her digging her fingernails into her hand is not a reason to delve into the depths of the human yeah, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. She should really just cut her nails shorter. Cut her fingernails? <laughs> yeah, like problem solved. File your nails. Yeah. yeah. Hun- <laughs> You're fine. 
<laughs> that should be we should try to start that hashtag for Riverdale fans. <laughs> hashtag file your nails, honey. <laughs> yeah. So before we talk about Betty's final stuff, I do want to backtrack yeah. and talk a little bit about Chick. He again, Hal is again puts himself in the situation of I leave or someone else leaves. Mm. And he's always the one that ends up leaving. <laughs> yeah. Airbnb. Yeah, shared yes. Airbnb, which I assumed was a shared Airbnb. I assumed it was an Airbnb run by share. Oh, boy. <laughs> I would pay so much money for that. Totally. But so anyway, Chicken and Alice are eating dinner alone, and there's like a scary guy at the door. Mm-hmm. Then Benny comes home having just boned, and she's like smiling and happy about her life. Mm-hmm. And then... The final scene, final shot is Al's cleaning up a dead guy and the blood all around him. Yes, mm-hmm. with those with like housewife gloves on. I love it that she yeah. like put on big yellow rubber gloves. Right. Yeah, it's a great final scene. It's perfect. Uh, yeah, it's so I love I I really did enjoy that because overall, and and let's get into this now. Uh, I thought this episode was fine. Yeah, um, I you know the show for me. I feel this entire season is thrown a lot of darts at the board and some of them are landing and some of them aren't. Um, but I do appreciate that they're straying away from it being a straight up whodunit mm-hmm. and instead weaving in all these other elements that hopefully will contribute to the longevity of the show in the future. Right. But, you know, but that, that being said, like, just this is this is a real episode where there's a lot of forced motivation and it seems like they just really wanted to do sort of this you know goodfellas light episode Mm -hmm. but did not have enough yeah i agree uh it wasn't like you know i think i i still feel the most successful episode of the season was the horror anthology episode which I think just super landed, you know? Yeah. I don't know necessarily, and I will certainly be more than happy to watch and critique the show and continue this podcast, but I think that a big question on a lot of fans' minds, including ours, is can this show really write itself? Can this show sort of be as surprising and as really genuinely enjoyable as the first season was? Mm-hmm. Um, and the first season certainly had some episodes that were duds, but this season is... I, I would argue much more inconsistent. Yeah. It's a mess. Alicia's <laughs> just like, Let's it is a mess. Kind of. We'll just call it a sophomore slump and hope for the best. Yeah, there totally. Were, I do want to just, uh, there's no place to put this in, but I wanted to point out one of my favorite details of this episode. Great, great. Which was like kind of messy and all over the place was that Chick always has a big glass of milk and it's the creepiest detail. I think he's so creepy and I don't like him but I love that he <laughs> always has a big glass of milk. That's just yeah. like what a psychopath would do, I think. Yeah, always because does. doesn't he know with modern conventions that milk is not, you don't drink milk all the time. It's not good for you. It's so weird and gross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not, it's just, it's just not good for you. <laughs> so do we want to do power rankings? Please, yeah. All right, so we're going to start from the bottom this week. And at mm-hmm. the bottom was a tie between Alice and Chick, mm-hmm. which makes sense because they were so intertwined for most of the episode. Definitely. A three-way tie then above that between Archie, Betty, and Papa Poutine. <laughs> uh, Candidate for, for... Do you want to explain for Papa Poutine? Because he was on your list. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, he ended up having a, a real drive in the in the plot of the episode. He sort of came from left field and it was sort of a surprise. And it was also really fun because he had such a goofy name. Yeah. And it was like, you know, this is silly. But then he drives a lot of uh, the motivation that ends up happening, you know, and we'll figure out if it ended up being uh, Hiram who kills him or not, who killed him or not, you know, but it's looking like that's going to dr- be a plot point for at least the next few episodes. So. Right. Above them is Veronica, mm-hmm. whose quinceanera was a driving point for a lot of the episode, less than Veronica Confirmation, 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 not quinceanera. Quinceanera right. would have been too logical, Kate. <laughs> Yeah, that would have made so much more sense. Yeah. That's my be all. And then second is Hiram. Mm-hmm. And coming up up top is Jughead, mm-hmm. who I feel like hasn't been in this position in a long time. Yes, but not for reasons that we really loved, because we right. were not totally into what's going on with this character right now. Right. But our eternal number one is Vegas. That's right. Always Vegas. Also, Always this Vegas show could sometimes. really this show could really benefit from more Vegas and hot dog. It's true. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, really, come I on. Think everyone agrees with that. Yeah, I mean, when we saw Hot Dog at the end of season one, he's so cute. Yeah, we've seen him again since, but only I know. Like once or twice. I love him. He's so cute. Oh man. Anyway, yeah. And what about our crush lists? Um, who do we all have? Who do you have, Alicia? Okay, so. I'm just shoehorning him in because he was barely in this episode, but I've been waiting to talk about him because no one's mentioned him yet. I have such a crush on Sweet Pea. Yeah, he's cute. Okay. Oh, I did mention like, him once. Oh, did you? Okay. I love him. Popeye's son. Popeye's yes. son is also named Sweet Pea. Yeah, yeah I know. He's so cute. And uh, Jughead, Betty, and FT. Those are my crushes this, this week. Oh, okay. awesome. I love it. What about you, Kate? So I want to start by saying Moose was not in this episode at all, which made my crush list tough. Yeah, for sure. Um, but my number one this week is Alice. She's barely in it, but she's I love her so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that she has bangs now. She looks so good. Oh, I know. I she looks on my list. My list yeah. is everybody. <laughs> um, and then Betty. She starts to get, like, I like dark Betty. Darker Betty. And then number three is Archie because he's a cutie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of our list overlaps. Number one for me is Veronica. Mm-hmm. Number two is Archie okay. in his little outfit. And number three, serving up some Quebecois realness, Papa Poutine. Ew! <laughs> I wouldn't I agree with saying anybody, but I would really like an explanation for Papa Poutine. <laughs> he's just Canadian, and you feel connected. That's it. I'm being a bit of a jerk. Okay. <laughs> but that, um, that that wraps up another episode of XOXO Riverdale, pals and gals. Do we want to talk about next week's episode? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, it's um, called the Telltale Heart. Yeah, which is yeah. A very well known short story by Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, and also, it looks it looks like there's some Cheryl action in it. Exciting. Yeah, me. and we um, also, of course, all remember there was an episode of the Melissa Joan Hart Sabrina the Teenage Witch based on it. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, no, that's no, no. Awesome. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Clarissa explains it all. Oh, well, <laughs> so not, as a different time. <laughs> not, as, not as much of a connection. However, <laughs> right. uh, I went to summer camp with, with Ferg, so... Oh, man. We're still, the, we're still in the... We're in the zone. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, and special thanks to our special guest slash editor, Alicia Camden. Thank you Thank for joining you so us. Much. I've, I've like edit every episode like, oh, I have so much to say about this. So I'm glad I finally got a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll definitely have to have you back um, as soon as possible. And, you know, thanks to Louis Aronowitz, who... Our um, composer. Oh, you know, okay. So just want to say, we will get to um, some fanfic reviews in the next few weeks. Yeah. Because we were going to do that this week, but we ran out of time. And thanks to some people have encouraged fanfic reviews Thanks to everybody that's listening and everybody that's chatting with us on Twitter and Facebook and Reddit. You know, you can check us out on all three platforms. We're easy to find Uh, at XOXO River pod on Twitter, XOXO Riverdale podcast on Facebook. And we hang out on the Riverdale Reddit from time to time. Thanks to everybody that's listening. Um, Our listening numbers are going up. So people seem to be liking our podcast, which is lovely. It's very nice. Very flattering. Mm -hmm. I hope in the next few weeks, just to let listeners know, I'm going to try to like actually read a comic book again and try to review it. I mean, I've been reading a a couple, but they're not really helpful to the show. Like I've been reading Jughead the Hunger. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm all caught up on Afterlife with Archie and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, if if any listeners are interested, I just reviewed the Archie's Monkeys crossover for Rebeat Magazine. So you can head over to www.rebeatmag.com and check out that review uh, if you're interested in both the Archies and the Monkeys, which is all of our plus 50 male listeners out there. Um, Whatever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm going to try to read the first trade paperback of Life with Kevin. Okay. Um, so stay tuned for that, the Dan Parents, Kevin Keller as an adult series, which has been getting some... Great reviews. Sure, uh, before we end, yeah. So I got Archie adult coloring book. Oh, I had. Uh huh. I was noticing that all of the pictures were very. All the pictures of Betty and Veronica had very large boobs. Uh huh. Yeah. Then I started looking for artist names, and I don't think there's any female artists. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, this is a fairly modern development, but um, a really great female artist named Fiona Staples did the first arc of Mark Wade's current Archie run. That was the revamp. However, yes, Archie traditionally is very white, straight male. Very much so. And that has changed a lot with this whole revolution that, you know, sort of happened with the introduction of Kevin Keller, Mm -hmm. who was created by a white, straight ally, but a really wonderful ally nonetheless, Stan Parent. Right. who is, is just great. Shout out to Dan Perrin, who I, I love, uh, who now knows who I am. Thank, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, pals and gals, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, keep hate watching Riverdale with us. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts to say. I don't want yeah. it to be hate watching. No. Sometimes, well, that's the thing. It flips between hate watching and love watching. It is what yeah. it is. But yeah, we'll see you next week for the Telltale Heart. Talk to everybody soon. See you next week on XO, 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 XO Riverdale. Riverdale.